Hey, Steak Night Restaurant here. I have to come clean and let you know while this episode is completely honest in its narration, I sort of have to tell you that this also happens to be my jurisprudence assignment. So I just um did a little bit of copy paste in it when it comes to thematics of it, like the same literature was reviewed and the same things were cited. So um you do what you will with that information. I just wanted you to have it and uh, I'm going to cue the fucking the writing and construction of this episode sort of happened where most people's thinking happens which is in the shower and it was one of those things where I was reimagining an argument I had in the past like a year ago on the way to a concert with a person who was fairly technocratic and it was one of those things where I was actively performing the things i wish i had said in the moment you guys have seen the meme you're all cool cats and kittens and i'm carol from big cat rescue i'm getting early pandemic nostalgia do not do not do not question that one and i'll tell you what the argument was about so basically we were arguing about the curriculum that children are given in schools and of course both of us are products of the indian schooling system both of us roughly the same age so both of us hate it equally and we were suggesting amendments in the current educational system to make it more utilitarian and engaging along with of course shifting the entire goal of the system towards making individuals cr- capable of critical thinking and not conformists who go on to be just good employees and in the argument in the passion of agreement this gentleman happened to say that he they would eradicate the study of history completely from the indian curriculum because it's just repetition of the same thing and they genuinely believe that the knowledge of history does not help children in any way that is tangential to their current life let alone be useful in any way for their life as providing them with a life skill or a tool for critical thinking now i am not trying to make a generalized statement about this but i'm trying to give this person the benefit of empathy that i have for them like most people this person went through a science background in 11 12 and then took up engineering and he works as an engineer to this day when i say most people i mean most people in this country in india and the point that he was trying to make is that a techno savvy generation would help us achieve a technocracy faster which will ensure our progress as a people and sure i believe there is an argument to be made there that technocracy is our ultimate future but what really 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 ticked me off in this conversation is the vehement assertion that history and the study of history had no part whatsoever in putting our priorities where they are that is the emphasis on technological development and efficiency and the truth is i sort of understand where they come from emotionally when it comes to dismissing history because it is more clear now than ever that history is kind of a murky ground your ancestors were not perfect people most of them were a shade of unacceptable gray for example homophobia in the 1950s very rampant let's take more pressing issues of casteism that is prevalent in our past that was very present in our society for a very long time and still is of course it's a lingering institution but that's a separate issue by itself we've done an episode about that another factor that i would consider while judging this person is that the age in which were history usually taught it's an age where we're very egocentric and just coping with greater autonomy the worst time to accept new ideas to be honest like most things sound like a good idea to a teenager is what i'm trying to tell you 
and especially an empathetic teenager who's trying to think of themselves as a good person who comes from a lineage of good people would like to think this is not something we do anymore which consistently also explains at least philosophically explains why teenagers gravitate towards punk rock music so much besides the angst and the energy it also is sort of a historical detachment from everything that came before them since the 1970s and if you have had the misfortune of hear me talk about punk rock i am so sorry i understand i can go on for a bit about that but a fair amount of that music comes from the philosophy that everything that has happened in history so far needs to be left behind and a new generation with a higher moral standard should take over and the criticism of authority and idealism in punk rock music is something i admire to this day do not get me wrong but i also think it sort of oversimplifies the problems related with identity and history and culture which is not healthy or a long term solution or even a solution that is worth considering for us as a civilization and what i wish i had done in that moment when i was talking to somebody who was coming from a very punk rock frame of mind when it comes to looking at history in a way that is a lot less appreciative of history as well because punk rock at least appreciates the history that we come from and criticism is staunch in that genre i wish i would have talked about frederick nietzsche's uses and abuses of history from untimely meditations which by the way is a great book and i highly highly recommend it what i really liked about this part of the book is that it very well attacked the way academicians taught history in academic circles in schools to children and to students who were of uh, younger ages in a way that it had become a matter of fact type thing the criticism that comes from him is sort of pointing out that the history the way it's taught in academics in his time and sometimes even in our own times is a recap to understand a series of events that followed until you get to learn about the present day learnings which are more pertinent to you it is just a catch up episode or a catch up class so that you can learn more pressing issues he attacked this dismissal of academic value of history with sarcastic fury and full disclosure to some of you who might be new to the podcast i think episode 7 or episode 9 of the deep red neurons podcast we talked about the most famous frederick nietzsche quote that has ever been there god is dead and we have killed him one of the interpretations of the line that we sort of explored in this was of course that the story was about how god is a stand in for idealism and institutionalization of the idea of god is his tomb which is why at the end of the parable you see the madman crying in front of a church where he calls the calls the church the tomb of god so either nietzsche believed that the very pursuit of idealism was perverse or he believed that idealism as it's pursued by institutionalization is the death of idealism in any case the man was vehemently anti institution of all kinds but even nietzsche came around to understand that institutional study of history is important and it needs to be corrected and of course in this aspect he went on a long rant about how history should be selectively remembered as good selectively remembered as bad but must always be recorded in its entirety but what he more importantly emphasized on is teaching history as a method of problem solving 
if you're working anywhere in the human society i'm pretty sure one of the things that they ask on the cv for you is experience have you faced problems before which you will be facing currently the reason for that is because repetition of a ritual just by itself strengthens your knowledge and familiarity of it your emotional responses are diminished and your ability to function efficiently increases it's a problem solving tool to have knowledge of history specifically in the context of the skill that you are exercising or possessing or selling in the market and the biggest place where this is applied is law and it's i think completely lost on me how people don't see the study of law as the primary study of history other than language and this is especially true in the case of laws that are derived from cases or laws that are derived from precedents or legal precedents as we call them the most classic example of this the entire field of tortious law um i'm going to give you an example of law so please try not to sleep during this segment uh for example the principle of strict liability does not originate in any legislation it originates in a courtroom because somebody did something so peculiar that the judges were forced to improvise and their improvisation now has the standard of law that is why every decision that a court makes has the value of a precedent because it can be repeated again in the similar circumstances so in the strict liability thing the name of the case is Ryland versus Fletcher you can google these and google will spit out the entire case and every thesis on it at you basically what happened was this dude made a water tank in a neighborhood where it was not welcome and then this water tank or a reservoir sort of broke and it did damage to everybody in the neighborhood the legal precedent sort of dictated that the technology is so vastly dangerous that a higher level of care is mandated by the person who's introducing such an element so for example if you're bringing a zoo into your neighborhood or you're bringing a big ass reservoir into your neighborhood then unless it's the mistake of the guy who received the damages or it is placed where it is by the consent of the guy who was at the receiving end of the damages or it was a natural disaster or a third party's mistake or malicious intent and this was further improved upon in the case of mc mehta versus union of india which was the oleum gas leak case in delhi the principle which was very much sensationalized by the tragedy of bhopal where union carbide corporation did not pay attention to chemicals that were extremely poisonous and caused deaths of thousands if not millions of people methyl isocyanide was exposed to about 580000 people in the city of bhopal and causes widespread panic in the in the city and the country and the court sort of decided that if you're doing an activity that is so dangerous that a mishap would lead to 500000 people getting non fatally injured and even thousands dying then in that case the any responsibility of that element being introduced to those people lies upon you for example if you're opening a nuclear power plant you can't open it in a city even if you open it far away from the city any damage done because of that and if it's privately owned then the liability is yours you're taking the risk of introducing that element that is so dangerous to the entire environment and society if necessary this is not new knowledge to anybody we do legal precedents as a standard of understanding law as well for example navtej singh johar versus union of india the case that decided homosexuality is no longer a crime in india just reads out consensual sex between two adults out of the purview of section 377 of the indian penal code which means that the section that says that unnatural sex exists 
does claim that there is something called unnatural sex for example necrophilia bestiality but if two adults are engaging in sex that is not for the purposes of reproduction by itself it's not counted as a crime anymore and to decide that it took us until 2018 but we got there that's a legal precedent that matters and more importantly i believe it is important to learn and understand history because it teaches you to be humble about your perspective it teaches you to be understanding of your limitation the reason i say that is because this is our first pandemic in what another 100 years but every 100 years we ask the same questions how did this happen again and the reason is because we forgot to read about the last time it happened we always have this bad habit of assuming that history is a linear curve of progress when it comes to civilizational progress and in some aspects that is true for example space travel is safer than it has ever been and that's saying something but let's take the issue of something like homosexuality for example for a very long time homosexuality was considered eccentricity in india and other parts of the world as well until the institution of the church sort of put people outside the purview of normalcy for people who wanted to derive pleasure from sexual activities that were not aimed at reproduction or seemed out of the ordinary to them of course this was an attempt at regulating individuality because keeping people under control was the primary function of the church in the middle of the 15th century some would argue that it still is the purpose of the church but well that's not a debate we're addressing today the debate that we're addressing is of course homosexuality as a context of history so at the time it was just outside the purview of normalcy but when the science science of psychology was developed our primary assumption would be it would come to the right conclusion as to understanding it as a part of individuality that does no harm as opposed to something that needs to be treated or is a disease if you're a regular listener of the podcast i think there is an entire 30 minute episode that we did about corrective therapy corrective therapy was a practice that was prevalent in the last 100 years at least towards the tapering end of the first 100 years in the last 100 years where consensus among the academics in psychology led to the conclusion that homosexuality is a disease that can be cured and it led to physical as well as mental oppression of the queer community for another 100 years under the guise of medical help i genuinely believe that's actively worse because it claims that reason arrived at this conclusion and it is genuinely dangerous to let reason misguide you like that and one of the most important battles of our time that history helps us actively fight is the confirmation bias it's not a secret to all of us that we're ready to accept information that helps our narrative or our world view more than information that doesn't help it and history in that way overwhelmingly crowds you with information that will break your biases and give you information that does not fit with your narrative of history that you're adhering to as a majorly present meaning of the sequence of events for example my academic bias was to believe that psychology as a science helped us be more empathetic and a better species and the first instinct i had when i heard the criticism of modern psychiatric care through foucault's eyes was that to disagree with him and to nitpick each of his criticisms but i have to admit that some of the narratives that he weaves are correct for example the one that i just told you about homosexuality 
I didn't know about this version of corrective therapy until I read Foucault's book Madness and Civilization which made me question the very root of the beliefs that I had in the academic institution of psychology because in the book he makes the case that eccentricity was streamlined and institutionalized by by academicians all across the world who meant to streamline individuality for the purposes of the state and while i do disagree with a lot of the narratives that he weaves in extremism when he says that psychiatric care today is a lot worse than it was before i would disagree just because of the technological advances that we have i think he'll have to concede on that front as well i think he did that in the context of his book about medicinal care but what's important to be taken away from foucault's literature is the attitude of eternal skepticism even in the institutions that you believe in and that he does by a philosophical research of the history to weave a narrative that can be drawn very compellingly about a case that he's making about the institutions that we believe in today i think the obvious takeaway from this episode that i had was that history has grander narratives that it is capable of weaving which have the potential of weaving our future in a better direction basically i said something very controversial in this episode which is study good but school bad because we live in a society okay that's all i have for you this week or for now i don't know the schedule is a little unruly right now but if you like this episode please hit a like on youtube or if you like this episode and you're listening to on one of the audio platforms please go to youtube and smash that subscribe button completely destroy it dismantle it break your mouse clicking on it um sorry about that if you really like the episode please go to our patreon and support us there it really helps out the channel if not another way you can support the channel is of course by the merch from the instagram dms just like let us know on the dms there is a entire portfolio of the t-shirts that were selling under the deep fried neurons merchandise banner uh, it's on my instagram the link for which should be in the description below no matter which platform you're accessing this episode on so good night shabba khair kalash khair wish you a happy married life <laughs>